Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, hello. It's another day here on Let's Go There. It is Shira and Ryan Basham is here in the studio filling in for Ryan Mitchell, who's out. Oh, oh! I'm in a studio? Oh, God. Yeah. I thought I was like in a minimum security prison. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Okay. It's a great place to be. Great way to get it going, Brian. <laughs> OMG. You know, uh, I got my boyfriend to do something very nice for me. Oh. Uh, and it, like, I feel like this is love. He was, he hated Google Calendar. He was against Google Calendar. And I said, if you need me to be somewhere and... If you want me to like put it in my calendar, then I have to be at a whether it be an event like a wedding, this that, or like mm-hmm. something. Just send me a calendar invite, and he was refusing. He was he's refusing. Like, he was refusing because he's like, I don't do Google Calendar. What? Be like, yeah. He goes, do like whatever everyone else does and copy and paste it. I go, well, sometimes that I that is not it. what everyone else does. So we had a bit of like an argument about Google Calendar last night, and then finally I had to go into a dinner, and I said, and I was getting annoyed. So I was like, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, in the middle of the dinner, I see a Google Calendar invite that pops out that says, you know, Chris left Shira or something like that. Aww. And he decided to learn Google Calendar because that's what you do for love. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. I can't believe he doesn't use a calendar. He has a calendar, but it's like his own. I don't know. It's an Android thing. I was oh, like, no. it, it was like, oh, no, it's not an Android thing. Google is everywhere. Yeah. No, it's more like an old school, like people just refusing to adapt to other people yeah. and like the world, the modern world. And when it, you know what drives me crazy is when people get a paper calendar out of like their bag. I'm like, oh, okay, so let's look at my, let's look at well, one I think free. that's kind of cute. I just don't know how like that works. I mean, like, what happens if you your bag gets stolen? True. What happens if you spill oh, coffee on that's it? So true. Right? You are, you know, effed. I don't know how people did that back in the day. Seriously. Back in my day. Now I'm thinking about it. Okay. We etched it in stone. Well, lots coming up on the show. We're talking about this crazy heat wave, who's getting hit the hardest, and how to prepare for extreme weather. But first, coming in 15 minutes, what is the Respect for Marriage Act and how it could protect gay marriage? Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now, though. More than a dozen Democratic members of Congress were among those arrested by Capitol Police this afternoon as part of an abortion rights protest in front of the Supreme Court. Among those arrested are AOC, who, whose arrest was actually caught on video, Elon Omar, Carolyn Maloney, Andy Levin, and many more. Within two minutes of their arriving, police began ordering them to seize and desist. Instead, they sat on the street. And were one by one led off by officers as they chanted, the people united will never be divided. So mm. here is some audio from the protest. Oh, if we don't get this, shut it down! Shut it down! Shut it down! 
right. Well, there you go. The protests continuing. Um, And of course, we'll see if they'll need to continue that. Will the Respect for Marriage Act make a difference? Well, at least for maybe gay marriage, but not for abortion rights. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on to the World Health Organization, who reported that the highly infectious Marburg virus has been found in Ghana this week. Two unrelated people died after testing positive for Marburg in the southern Ashanti region of the country. The highly infectious disease is similar to Ebola and has no vaccine. Yeah, the virus is not known to be native to other continents like North America. And the CDC says cases outside Africa are infrequent. Oh, infrequent. I feel much better. Yes. Uh, But still, it's scary for those who are living there, obviously. Moving on to uh, trigger alert Marjorie Taylor Greene, who set off a storm on Twitter after sending a malicious transphobic tweet that clearly violated the company's policy. After putting only a warning label on the tweet, Twitter is getting a lot of harsh criticism for not taking it down with the company citing the public interest in keeping it live. So she tweeted a video clip showing Dr. Rachel Levine, the first out transgender person to be confirmed by the Senate. And Green uses a double entendre while dead naming Dr. Levine and made really just horrible references to gender affirmation surgery, arguing that the assistant secretary for health was pushing a preteen hashtag weenie chop. So it's like horrific. Like, how is this person even in public office? It's She's a horrible person, bad. but you know what? I think some of her constituents appreciate that she says outlandish things like this. That's why she does it. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that, yeah. like, we all need to deal with just her bullying, bigotry, and childishness. Yeah. She's a trash person. Yeah. Trash. Trash of the day. Trash of okay, the day. Okay, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my gosh. It's time for the Tea Report, and we're going to talk about uh, one of our favorite people, Lizzo. Um, so... Folks who are big fans have been like paying attention to her love life, and she's been dating this guy named Mike Wright. And people are like, are they engaged? Are they not? And so, not only are they not engaged, she had some specific tea to spill about the nature of their relationship. Let's play the clip. So what right. is the relationship? It's relationship? like monogamy. I think to me is a little um, claustrophobic. Mm. I think because you there's the rules. I think a love relationship that's not monogamous has no rules. Mm. And I think people who do poly and all that stuff, there's still rules. It's like, well, you can see this person, but you can't see this person. Mm -hmm. I don't want any rules. Oh. I mean, same, I think. Well, actually, (laughs) I I heard this clip and I was like, I think she's mistaking boundaries for rules. Like, Mm -hmm. relationships, boundaries are important. 100%. 100%. Right? And they're yeah. needed. It's and and I don't think people are creating rules. They're just creating boundaries. Yeah. And people need to understand what they can and can't do in a relationship. Yeah, it's like even, a business. It's like a business partnership. Yeah, e- even in an open relationship, you have parameters. Exactly, and yeah. it doesn't mean like oh, I, f- I. It doesn't mean you're stuck. It just means that people are setting the precedent of what works for them, which. We need that. We need that communication. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Well, that club was, that clip was from the Breakfast Club. Uh, there's a great 23-minute interview uh, with her. Um, and so, you know, I guess stay tuned for the ongoing nature of Lizzo's relationship. I kind of can't wait to hear more. Yes, I'm intrigued. Right. I mean, we hear enough about her talking about love. I want to know what she's like in love. Yeah, but she is going to take her time bringing him into the public fold, though. She wants I'm to respect sure. his privacy. No, I appreciate that. Like, yeah, but I'm. Who is this person? Who is? What I does need, he do? I need photos. I need names. I need. A I background need to check. know. Where were you born? What's your blood type? <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, next up, top House and Senate Democrats introduced the Respect for Marriage Act. What this could do for gay marriage? We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, earlier in the show, we were talking about the House vote that was going to be. Happening 
happening today around the Respect for Marriage Act. Yes. And actually, as we were broadcasting, it did pass the House. Yes. Right? Overwhelmingly. And so... Well, more than just Democrats, some Republicans. <laughs> exactly. And that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. we're going to replay our conversation right now with Brooke Migdon, staff writer for Changing America at the Hill, about all of this. Hi, thanks for having me. So the Respect for Marriage Act overturns the Defensive Marriage Act. Can you explain all these things? Sure. Uh, so the Defense of Marriage Act, uh, also called DOMA, was introduced, uh, signed into law in 1996, uh, defines marriage for federal purposes as a union between one man and one woman. Um, a part of that law was deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in 2013, two years before the Supreme Court uh, effectively legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. Um, But the rest of the law is still technically on the books. So what the Respect for Marriage Act would do is repeal the law in its entirety. Um, It would also address this national patchwork of marriage laws that we have. Uh, So uh, about 35 states still have statutes or constitutional amendments that prohibit same-sex marriage, um, although those are not enforceable right now because of um, the Supreme Court's decision in Obergefell, which legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. Um, So this uh, Respect for Marriage Act would address that by requiring all states to legally recognize same-sex and interracial marriages if those marriages are valid in the states in which they were performed. So essentially, if and when the Supreme Court overturns their decision, previous decisions to uh, to nationalize same-sex and interracial marriage, then we're going to go back to a situation where we have a patchwork of laws, right, from state to state over which, which, which marriages are allowed where. Um, so what I'm kind of curious about is I know this makes – that this bill would make it so that um, – uh, people who have a marriage that w- that is valid in the state where it was performed, a state that doesn't recognize that kind of marriage would still have to honor it, right? So, but what happens to people who, let's say Alabama, where they would cer- most certainly try to continue banning same-sex marriage? Um, let's if if you're a same-sex couple that got married in Massachusetts, sorry, if you're a same-sex couple that got married in Alabama, would that marriage be invalid because it was performed in a state where it's no longer valid? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, You know, there are still so many unknowns right now. uh, But from what I've been hearing, uh, if Obergefell were overturned, uh, it wouldn't or couldn't really have much of an effect on already married couples um, because those uh, marriages were legally performed regardless of if or if they were performed in a state where it is no longer legal. Okay, got it. That makes sense. So this is great that this is bipartisan. Does it mean that it's going to pass both the House and Senate? Um, Again, another great question. Um, You know, there is a great chance that it will pass the House. In fact, it's expected to. Like you said, it has bipartisan backing. Um, But, you know, its fate is not known in the Senate, uh, you know, where we still have the Equality Act been uh, languishing there for more than a year. Um, so, you know, the the Senate also has a, a, a slight majority there um, and can 
GOP senators would need to support Democrats in order to overcome the filibuster. And and they don't know if they have that support yet. Yeah, which is wild, because this is going to be a very interesting moment to see who would we be able to visually see who went against this law being passed? Uh, you're asking if we would see like who when voted if it goes in the Senate, we'll be able to see who's like really taking a stance against, you know, and we know they think it's like, you know, there are nuances around other parts of the LGBTQ community. But like, mm-hmm. if they're standing up against this, it's a clear line, I think, in terms of how they support the community. Or where they are, right, in terms of pro LGBT or, or Q or against it. Mm-hmm, right. Um, the way that most uh, GOP senators are interpreting it right now um, is that it's not so much an issue of um, LGBTQ rights as much as it is an issue of states' rights. Um, so their whole position is that the Supreme Court's decision in Obergefell in 2015 was an overreach um, of its of its power um, and that the power to recognize same-sex marriages should be given back to the state. Um, not so the they're people. not really. Looking... Why would it be given to the people anyway? Whatever. Yeah, right. It... Their, their position is that the elected officials of the states represent the people. We know in practice that's not always true. Um, but that is where they're standing yeah. on it. I mean, uh, I think I heard Jimmy Bogerfell say recently that the best way to take a minority's rights away is to let the people vote on it. Um, so I, uh, I guess um, we only have a couple seconds, but quickly, what, what do we expect to politically to happen to uh, Republicans uh, who vote against this? Is that w- What's the chances this could hurt them? It depends on where they are. Um, Republicans in the South, um, you know, have, have a pretty strong... Um, voter support uh so you know we've seen in the past that uh it doesn't really matter um how extreme totally. they go mm. uh so you know I, i'm not really expecting any real consequences here unless they're from um a purple state uh or a, a battleground state and so uh, just 15 seconds like is this a good thing or a bad thing because i feel like we keep on just still like we're in the middle hesitant about this even though it <laughs> seems like it's a good thing i don't know Yeah, it is a good thing. Um, But, you know, it's worth mentioning that this same piece of legislation has been introduced in several Congresses since 2009. Um, So, yeah. So it it hasn't passed then. Uh, We don't know if it'll pass now. Uh, The only thing that's different now is that there is immense pressure on Congress since the overturn of Roe versus Wade to act. Mm. All right. That was Brooke Migden, staff writer for Changing America at the Hill. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, what's next? I'll tell you what, that's proof that pressuring your Congress can work. Um, so now up next, could President Biden declare a climate emergency? What could that look like next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The scuttlebutt inside the Beltway in D.C. is that the Biden administration is going to declare a climate emergency as soon as tomorrow. Um, but we only have some whispers, so let's get some facts. Uh, here with us today is Rachel Raisin, energy and environment reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So what would this uh, emergency declaration do? Sure. Um, So the emergency declaration could unlock certain powers um, that are used, that are reserved for emergencies to enable the Biden administration to do more on climate change. So that's things like unlocking additional funds through the Defense Production Act that could then be used as loans to deploy more clean energy, for example. 
um, other things about like controlling trade in emergencies to perhaps block the imports of of products that are uh, harmful to the climate, things like that. And what led this to happening right now? It seems like, you know, activists and climate change advocates have been screaming about this for years, as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, internationally, obviously. Sure thing. Well, the first thing I will say is that it no longer sounds like it's happening right now. Previously, sources were telling me that this could come as soon as tomorrow because that's what they were hearing from uh, the White House. But since then, it seems like that may have changed. The White House is now saying publicly that they are not doing this tomorrow, but it's still on the table. Um, But I know that your question was referring to some of what's happening in Congress um, for months or about a year. uh, Lawmakers have been negotiating with Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who is essentially the Senate's swing vote. He's a Democrat, but he's extremely moderate. Um, they've been trying to get him on board with a big package that could be passed through a process called reconciliation that would enable them to pass legislation with just uh, 50 votes without needing to um, use the, the filibuster, which would need 60 votes that would require 10 Republicans. So this was supposed to be a Democrat-only package that included climate change. Last week, uh, Senator Manchin said that uh, he, at this time at least, will no longer be moving forward uh, with a climate change package. So... Um I find that really frustrating, and I'm curious, what is the difference between what the legislation could do versus what this emergency declaration could do? Seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. On the whole, it seems like that legislation uh, would be much more impactful than an emergency declaration just because of the amount of funding that it would unlock. It just seems like it would be a lot more, um, and that would be used directly to... um, give tax credits for clean energy. And there's also been talks of a program that would put a fee on uh, methane emissions from oil and gas. That's a powerful greenhouse gas that sometimes gets released during fossil fuel production. Um, so those kinds of things, I think, are viewed as generally more impactful than some of these uh, powers through uh, this emergency. Uh, really important stuff, obviously. But, you know, will the emergency declaration be able to sustain, right? We know how much, you know, I would typically say the Republicans and then Joe Manchin debate about all of this. So how how much could this be of use and really make a change at this point? I mean, I think it's up for debate. Obviously, I think, you know, doing something for the climate is more impactful than not doing anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um I also do think this, though, could be vulnerable to legal challenges if they use it in a broad way. Um, so similar to, yeah, I think Trump did an emergency uh, declaration for the border wall that also faced legal challenges. So I think it would run into those kinds of hurdles. And I think that's the debate right now that even on the left people are having is, is it worth doing these actions, you know, if it legitimizes the use of this emergency powers for things that have been long-standing problems. Yeah, I feel like we hear a lot of activists at demanding that the president do executive orders on things without really taking into account that executive orders are so vulnerable versus taking the longer approach to pass legislation, which is much, much, much more uh, mm-hmm. uh, permanent. Um, so, But to that point, though, the Biden administration has been criticized for moving too slowly on a lot of issues, including climate. So what are, what are folks saying about this, especially since they're kicking the can down the road and not announcing this tomorrow anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think uh, like anything, you're going to have a mixed reactions across the board. I think there are a lot of activists that are clamoring for this kind of a thing. And if 
they don't get it from the Biden administration, they're going to be very disappointed. I also think in addition to the policy things, I think there is just um, the optics of declaring climate change an emergency, perhaps to wake people up, show that the government is recognizing this is a problem. But on the other hand, I think there are some folks who might want to see if he'll um, try and continue to play ball with Manchin, try to convince him to back a uh, climate package, because that would be much more durable and much more impactful. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That, uh, really interesting stuff. And I'm interested to see what happens if this changes the course of how we approach the climate crisis. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a marathon, not a sprint. And this is just a page in a chapter of the book. I just w- worked in two metaphors talking about climate. Um, uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. This is Rachel Frazian, um, uh, energy and environment reporter at The Hill. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, thank you for having me. And coming up, a new study that looks at why LGBTQ adults often keep ties with parents who reject them after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So there's this really interesting new study that says even if outright disowned by their parents, many LGBTQ adults do their best to mend fences with their family. So the question is, why do so many work so hard for the approval of parents who've rejected them? And this new research that's coming out of the Ohio State University really answers this question. It's it's fascinating stuff. And I I do want to know before we get to what they discovered, have you ever been in this position where, I mean, a family member disown you? Was your family pretty supportive? My family was very supportive, very uh, accepting, but they, but I also have many, 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 many friends who, who have had the opposite. In fact, I, I I have two standout things. I know one guy who, whose family disowned him and they wouldn't even help him with his FAFSA, which Mm -hmm. you need to fill out to get student aid. So he couldn't even get in-state tuition at a state school because you have to have your parents' tax information. Another friend of mine actually, um, well, somebody I knew uh, back in days of MySpace, um, his parents had totally rejected him and he he ended up dying and his parents would not let his boyfriend be at the funeral or even visit his gravesite. Isn't that wild? That's what some some LGBTQ people go through. Yep. That's the reality. Well, this is what they found as to why people still feel that connection with their family, even though they've been horrible, as you've um, mentioned in a few examples. They said, we found a sense of what we called compulsory kinship. Mm -hmm. There's this feeling among many LGBTQ people that the family is untouchable and should be maintained at all costs. I mean, you know, in fact... That is such a value that people have that they even describe it as a nece- necessity in a partner on dating apps. Like I've seen on, on dating apps, yeah. you know, um, must be close to your family, you know? When, when the reality is that's also very complicated. Yeah. You know, like I've, I have my own, uh, you know, issues. I'm sure it's not perfect, but I'm pretty, I, I would say it, by all standards, I'm pretty close to my family. Yeah. Uh, I have a partner currently who, and it's the first person I've been with that isn't close with his family. Mm. And it is it's weird for me at the same time I have to respect that because family is not everyone's not all the same everyone hasn't been through the same experiences there's a lot of messed up stuff out there and trauma and we can't create this picture perfect thing I mean that's just not the reality for a yeah. lot of us. Well, you know, um, it makes me think about, you know, my dad, who is an incredible human being, uh, his dad was very violent and bipolar and, oh. um, and uh, you know, in the, before before mental health treatment was widespread. And, and so he had really a horrible childhood. And so my dad, uh, even, the, even after my grandfather died, he was like, I don't, you know, if he, if that 
if he went and died under a bridge, it'd be fine with me. Like they, like, like he, they were, they had such a broken relationship, and it hurt, hurt the other relationships in a way because yeah. they had a harder time. His siblings had a harder time building that relationship, and everybody felt like they were missing out. Exactly. And while you say that, it's still difficult for the person, so it's easier said than done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely see this also depending on like culture and where you're from. There are some cultures where just family is priority. Yeah. No matter what. Absolutely. And, right. And there are some families that get together every single year for a family reunion, and there are other families where you don't even know your first cousins. Totally. What I hope uh, comes out of this, whether it be for anyone, but you know, is that you get to choose. You get to choose or you know, who your family is in a way. And it could be your blood family or or otherwise yeah. in that way. And like, you know, you could feel a loyalty, but understand you're also allowed to have boundaries. Yeah. If and someone no- is not treating you properly. Yeah. And if someone, if the other person isn't participating in a healthy relationship, that is not your fault. And, and, and I think this study, it'd be interesting to see out of all these people who has gone like to therapy or who like are they trying to rebuild what they didn't have or are, are they doing this like as like uh on the other side of their healing right yeah, yeah. well There's i think even so straight people can relate to that, that last thing you said totally yeah exactly yeah. all right more coming up next including what's trending this hour the country that's expanding their gay propaganda law after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, it is getting hot. It's your uh, uh, Ryan Mitchell is out today, but Ryan Basham is filling in. And we keep talking about it. This heat wave, who's getting hit the hardest? What's happening in the UK? How to prepare? That is coming up in 15 minutes. So stick around. We're here for you. We really are. Yeah, we I got your back. Hope you're, um, you know, going to bed without clothes on. Exactly that. Well, it may be a necessity. I, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe people need to get more comfortable with being, you know, in, yeah, yeah. in the nude. You know what? You know what, y'all? Not only do we have your back, we might have your front. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> okay, let's uh, get into some what's trending this hour right now. Marlena Stell, a beauty YouTuber and founder of cosmetics company Makeup Geek, initially explained in a video she posted last year that she and her husband were really excited to learn of her pregnancy. She had had an ultrasound and was at around seven weeks showing that everything with her baby was normal. However, another ultrasound two weeks later revealed Stell suffered a pregnancy loss. The doctor said because of the new law that's passed here, they could not medically intervene yet. So this story is now coming out as she's come out about her uh, own personal situation publicly. And here's what she told CNN. She said, there is no heartbeat. There is no viable pregnancy. She said, well, because of the new law that's passed, um, you're going to have to get another ultrasound for me to be able to even do anything for you. Even after that second ultrasound, Mm -hmm. would your obstetrician give you the surgical procedure? No, no. Well, that really makes sense. Like a doctor's supposed to ethically do like make sure you're healthy and you stay alive, like do as much as they can. Yeah. I don't get how there are laws in place that can stop that, how that is ethical, moral and legal. Well, some of the people who pass these laws would say that's God's plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after two weeks, she was finally able to find a doctor who would perform um, on her and uh, figure it all out. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy she has the courage to share her story because I'm sure there's many others that are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And glad she survived. Exactly. Now, moving on to police who injured five people when they opened fire on a crowd in Denver's entertainment district after showing up to deal with a group arguing in a front uh, bar. They claim a man pulled a gun from his waistband and pointed it at him. However, a witness told the Denver Post they did not see the suspect holding a gun or hear any warnings issued by the officers. And this, of course, is a big story that is also being shared on social media right now. Really scary stuff. And finally, Russia's parliament moved to tighten already extreme restrictions on the discussion of LGBT. LGBTQ rights and relationships. A draft bill calling for the broadening of a 2013 ban on the gay propaganda bill was announced on the website of the parliament and introduced by a cross-party group of six communist and socially conservative deputies. The bill would ban public discussion of LGBTQ relationships in a positive or neutral light and any LGBTQ content in cinemas. They already, you know, the the movie about uh, Elton John, they edited it down to like 45 minutes. He was just like singing the whole time. Yeah, no narrative. (laughs) Just like, why is this world so messed up? And the thing is, what can other places do about this? Nothing. Anything? Well, you know, let people come in as refugees. Yeah, from there. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, it's time for the Tea Report. And I want to talk about one of my most favoritest humans. Um... Chris Evans, in an interview with Shondaland recently, said he's got a new focus in life. Let's hear about it. Maybe laser focused on finding a, a partner, you know, someone that you want to live. I mean, look, I love what I do. It's great. What I, I pour all of myself into it. But, but, but in terms, e- even this industry is 
full of pockets of doubt and hesitation and recalibration and in terms of really trying to find something that you really pour all of yourself into may, maybe it's about trying to find someone that you you're looking to spend your life with i mean you right? i am partnered but let me tell you chris evans yeah. you know where, where's, where do I apply? Seriously. <laughs> and I love the gender neutral language he used. I'm sure he was just doing that to be inclusive, but I hope that means inclusive of me personally. Of course. Yeah, you know. I will say one thing, though. One piece of advice I will give him is don't have a two martini lunch right before an interview. That's all. Because he sounds a little drunk. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's <laughs> all. Doesn't just sound relaxed. Maybe he's overtired. I feel for him because sometimes I slur and fall apart. Totally. And I'm totally sober. Yeah. Well, you know what? If he is having a hangover, I would be happy to nurse him back to health. There you go. Yeah. All comes back to you. Yeah. This is about me. Did you think it was about Chris (laughs) Evans? All right. uh, Coming up next, who's getting hit the hardest in this heat wave? We're talking about it and what to do about this. Like, what do you do when living through this? And will it ever be going away next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Washington Post published this piece showcasing seven maps that highlight this heat wave that's happening across the globe. I mean, Western Europe seems to be getting hit the hardest, with several deaths reported in Portugal and Spain. It's pretty frightening when you look at this because it's just red hot everywhere. Yeah, this is our planet I don't know if this now. This is for like a f- effect, right? If it's being overemphasized. I mean, every weather map has red as the hottest i think I, yeah but like it just seems like over the top joining us right now is washington post weather contributor matthew capucci to break it all down for us welcome to the show hey thanks so much for having me i mean thank you uh love your energy this, these maps are red hot and i i know that that's just what happens because it's that's where it is but what is happening right now in the uk is this just dramatic in terms of what we're seeing yeah, very much so. We're seeing temperatures reaching 40 Celsius for the first time on record, meaning 104 Fahrenheit. The previous record was back on June 25th, 2019. Amherst, they got at 38.7 Celsius, which was 101.7 Fahrenheit. So to reach 40 Celsius is A, unprecedented, but not only did we beat the previous record by about like 2.3 degrees Fahrenheit, which is impressive in and of itself. It's like winning a 5K by like seven or eight minutes. But at the same time, too, we did that at 29 different weather stations. In other words, this wasn't just one sensor, one station that broke the previous record. This was like 29 across the country. And, I mean, it was incredibly hot today, incredibly hot yesterday. And one of the issues is that vulnerability there is through the roof. You have about 6% of the population who is over the age of 80 in Europe. You have 5% of people who have air conditioning. The other 95% don't. So already we've seen close to about 1,200 deaths in Spain and Portugal, likely many more in the United Kingdom as well. Wow, I, I just I, that's so tragic, sad. and I and I you know I've seen images and video of like um, you know like roads just melting and buckling, and and I, I mean how are how are people in Europe who obviously are not used to this heat, um, unlike those of us in Southern California, um, how are they coping? Well, it's a, a good question, and to be honest, I, I don't really know. I think folks are trying to do the best they can. The issue is not necessarily the temperatures themselves, because you see, you see in Arizona, their average temperature this time of year is like 114 Fahrenheit. You see a place like California where, where they're seeing temperatures like this all the time. It's not necessarily the temperatures. It's the fact that the infrastructure there can't really handle this, nor can the people, simply because they're not acclimated to it. I think that's really the, the biggest story here. We saw, for example, at uh, Luton Airport in, in London, 
uh, the runway actually buckled because the trains all across London proper were either reduced service-wise or suspended for at least uh, 24 hours because the tracks were so hot and in some cases were buckling too. So it has very much disrupted infrastructure. There's a level four out of four a health emergency in effect there, given just how hot the temperatures are because not only are vulnerable people obviously susceptible to this, but anyone is, and no matter how healthy they are, no matter who they are. Yeah, so where else are we seeing this um, happening? I mean, it's happening in Europe. Uh, I hear also Central Asia. Yeah, so in Shanghai, they got a, a similar heat wave where they recorded a few point temperature close to 90 degrees, meaning the air was holding essentially record moisture at 90 degrees. Uh, Temperature-wise, there would be fog in the air. That's how much moisture was in the air. And tropical is an understatement, very impressive stuff, but also at the same time puts an extreme heat stress on anyone who is out and about and, and really can't escape the heat. And the issue, too, is, is the overnight warm temperatures. The U.K. saw their highest overnight temperature on record. Dallas saw their highest overnight temperature on record. Multiple heat waves across the world where we're seeing these warm overnight lows, and that's kind of the, the number one contributor to heat-related fatalities is the fact that overnight people's body temperatures can't cool. They don't have that respite. They don't have that much. Oh. The heat stress never really wanes, and they get kind of a head start the next day. And unfortunately, you have something called population harvesting, where you have vulnerable populations who suffer premature death oh because God. of everything going on. And we've seen that, you know, in the hundreds to thousands. That I, I mean, these numbers are kind of blowing my mind. And I, this is this is happening all over the Western Hemisphere all at once. I mean, why is it happening everywhere all at once? And and do we think the Southern Hemisphere, when they have their summer, are going to experience something similar? Well, last year, the Southern Hemisphere did get a very impressive summer with a number of heat waves. The Northern Hemisphere right now is, is seeing that just because it is summertime. But here's the thing. We're used to it being hot in the summertime. Of course, that's a staple of summer. But climate change is pushing otherwise high-end events into record territory. In other words, we already have anomalies because averages are just the mean of ordinary ups and downs. We're used to ups and downs in the weather. But climate change, for example, made the heat event in the U.K. about to occur, it's a thousand percent more likely. It also helps increase temperatures by about three or four degrees, which once again pushed an otherwise high-end event into that record area. So it, it is largely uh, the result of human-induced climate change. We're ir- irreversibly adding heat to the climate system, and uh, we're, we're seeing the impacts manifest in real time. Wow. And so what about here in the U.S.? We've been talking a bit about this throughout the show, but is it going to get worse well, today was the worst day of the current ongoing heat wave. Dallas has hit 100 degrees 14 times in the past month. There were 109 yesterday, so very impressive stuff there. Uh, prior to Creek, Oklahoma, we'll see temperatures around 106, 107. Oklahoma City seeing temperatures close to 110. And they've only done that, I believe, 19 times on record. So regardless, of, no matter how many slices, it's very hot temperatures all over the place. And just uh, quickly, we have like 30 seconds or so. What are we supposed to do when we're in these situations to be safe? One of the things where you want to check up on elderly relatives and neighbors, of course, uh, where it's humid outside, it's very easy with the heat index to exert yourself very quickly. But oftentimes when it's dry, it's a dry heat. People underestimate how significant of a toll that can take on the human body because they don't sweat. They don't notice they're sweating. They don't notice they're dry and they dry out uh, before and become dehydrated, before they realize that they're suffering a heat stroke or heat exhaustion. So, again, take it easy in setups like this. Don't push yourself. It's an excuse to sit inside, not go for that jog, not mow the lawn. Have a good beverage or something, a a nice cold one. I, of course, have mine of choice. And also, if you know folks who are extra vulnerable 
old folks, folks who may be homeless, uh, things like that. Yeah. Give them a call. Make sure they have access to a cooling shelter, too. All right. Well, that was Washington Post weather contributor Matthew Capucci. Felt like we had our own Al Roker here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we did talk about what you could do right now to deal with the weather changes, but what do we do, like, what's sustainable for the future? How do we prepare? Yeah, some of those answers after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. This time of year has increasingly become what the Union of Concerned Scientists has termed the danger season. But not everyone has equitable access to the necessary resources in times of natural disaster. Here to explain how we can prepare is Moise Octor, the Future Perfect Fellow at Vox. Thank you for joining us. This Thank you. A, yeah, of course. This was a really great piece um, about uh, how uh, marginalized communities especially uh, are at risk. And can you just give us a bit of an overview about, um, you know, what do people often miss when it comes to danger season and who's impacted? Yeah, no, thank you for the question. So basically this comes down to, I think, the way, and this includes, you know, us, us in the media, right? It's like a disaster happens and then there's some coverage of it uh, while it's happening. And then you know, the media and government actors kind of pick up and leave. But the reality is the effects of disasters can last months, years, uh, often a lifetime for people as they're kind of having to go through a cycle of, uh, going through one disaster after another. Like, I've seen this myself in Houston. There's still people five years yeah. after Harvey still not having been able to rebuild their homes. That's just wild. So extreme heat waves, according to this article, wildfires, other disasters. In 2021, it had already impacted at least one in three Americans. So this is something that we need to really be mindful of, which is obviously possibly why President Biden is saying we're in an emergency situation here, even though some people don't think we are and they're in denial. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess have we reached that fever pitch? Have we reached that point where it's like, uh, we need to do something about this. Is it is it different than the moment we've said that in the past? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I think it comes down to a few different things. I think one, like, beyond federal action at the local level and at the state level, you're seeing more and more people realizing we got to collectively do something about this. Whether that's, like, you know, in Phoenix, there's, like, a greater understanding in Arizona. There's an understanding that we got to, as a city, prepare for extreme heat. This is just a long-term thing. We got to have cooling centers. We got to do... Uh, things to make sure people have everybody has proper air conditioning. Um, it, it's it's a combination of things. It's, on one hand, it's important that the federal government get more involved, but the truth is, this is a very local problem. So it's also about like how we as individuals are interfacing with local governments and our own neighborhoods and communities. Like you know, like if you're in a place that's at risk of a wildfire, are you making sure like the vegetation around you is like taken care of? Otherwise, you're putting your not just yourself at risk, but also your neighbors. Yeah, you know, as you say that, I, you know, I'm thinking about the block I live on in Los Angeles. You know, where I live, there are uh, tons of unhoused, pe- unhoused people around because there are a few uh, food sh- or uh, like you know free meal places and shelters and stuff. But then a few blocks up is a really nice neighborhood where they couldn't have any care in the world. And a few blocks north of that yeah. is vegetation that's just ripe for fire. So, you know, who do we go to when we see these things around us and worry about ourselves, our own families, and the people in our neighborhoods? How, who do we who do we go to to say? hey, this is a problem, help us fix it. It's tough, you know, so it's a combination of things. One is like, I think throughout a lot of different disasters over just even the last decade, we've seen there's like a remarkable, like the state can often fail, whether it was like the winter storm in Texas, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, 
or the 2018 wildfires in California, governments at all levels have shown a remarkable capacity to fail people in times of crisis. So it's on one hand, like, you've got to do the groundwork of organizing your community, organizing your neighbors, and uh, keep taking care of each other, even just getting on a group chat with each other. As someone I interviewed for the story told me, it's not going to save your life, but it can help make you feel more assured and know you're not alone in this. But also it's organizing community, and, yeah, the truth is you still engaging with your local officials because oftentimes, you know, they're hearing a lot of different things, but, you know, if you can come together and be like, hey, uh, we really just need more greenery in our in our community because uh, it's like I, it's it's just soaking in all the heat. It might seem like a little thing, but those things can really go long uh, a long way to preparing community disasters. Yeah, you build a house one brick at a time, right? Um, yeah. This is I, I feel like we could talk about this for a while, but your the article on Vox you wrote is fantastic. I really recommend people check it out. That was Muiz Octor, future perfect fellow at Vox. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Sure. What's coming up next? All right. In a weird turn of subjects, we're talking about DIY caskets. All right. As we talk about global yeah, warming. stick around and, for that, And the guys. world falling apart. Okay, bye. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There seems to be a new trend or maybe, you know, uh, Wall Street Journal wanted to make this a trend, and now the internet is picking up on it, of people <laughs> making their own coffins. So they they found this guy, um, who this woodworker, who makes his own coffins, but or made one for himself, and it was actually a bookshelf. So this guy, Chuck Lackin, he's out of Waterville, Maine. He saw how, like, not per- non-personal the whole process was from his uh father's death and he was like why not do this and make it more fun and connected right like in in your life and so he did this for himself he has a website called lastthings.net he said it's a place for those who want to be more in control of what happens to their own body after death or would like to explore ways to care for a loved one's body after death so he has lower cost alternatives to coffin services available at funeral homes including building your own because it's also pretty expensive including with Uh, the materials these days, right? Inflation. That means wood is more expensive. So he will work with you to make something. And, uh, you know, he also sells these at his local market, etc. Oh, so it's not just a DIY thing you can have ordered in the mail. He will custom design with you your DIY casket situation? Yes. If you go to the website, you could choose different ones like wedge, plywood, bookcase, coffin. Bookcase? So you can take your books with you? Well, it's a bookcase, and then it becomes a coffin. Oh, so your bookcase looks like a coffin for the rest of your natural life. That's weird. Now, you know what? (laughs) Producer Shelby would love that, wouldn't you? Would you love that? Um, I mean, I do have a bookcase that I do really enjoy. Well, it's for my plants, so like maybe plants to humans. Yeah. I just feel like it's. I feel like something casket shaped is right up your alley since alley <laughs> since Halloween is your favorite You're ha- right. holiday. And totally unrelated, I started watching that show you talked about yesterday with the vampires. The <gasps> what we do in the shadows. Yes, and yes. then I had a dream about vampires. What uh, was it? A good dream? No, I'll I'll share it during the break. We have to go. But, oh. um, <laughs> so I feel like this this whole story is bringing up discussion for a lot of people. Like, would you do something like this? No. No. Well, I think you know this is unique. I mean, I'd rather do something unique than just pay like $3,000 for a coffin. I just don't want another project. You know, <laughs> I'm busy. I don't want to spend my life making my coffin. I want to spend my life living. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the show, breaking news about the Respect for Marriage Act on What's Trending This Hour after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yes, we're back. Hope you're enjoying that great music here on Channel Q. More to come. It is Shira. Ryan Basham is here filling in for Ryan Mitchell, who is out. I'm so glad that he couldn't be here. I mean, I love him, but it made room for me. You always need to make it awkward. (laughs) Is that a bad thing? It may be why I'm single. I mean, mean, there's something endearing about someone who's awkward. That's how I've, you know, navigated. (laughs) Navigated awkward people. Navigated relationships. (laughs) It seems to work. You know, it's a yin and yang. Yeah. The awkward people always meet the people who are like too like smooth. Oh yeah. And they need they need a little balance. Oh yeah. You know. Between you, you're one normal person. That's true. (laughs) It takes two. Uh, Now, we have lots coming up on the show still. How to protect your privacy using mental health apps in 30 minutes, plus the details around the new season of Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear more about that. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. The House of Representatives passed the Respect for Marriage Act in a vote of 267 to 157 today. It's a pretty big number, right? Yeah, it's pretty great. That's good. It's a bill that would codify same-sex marriage nationwide in response to the Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade last month. The legislation would also repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, a 1996 law signed by former President Bill Clinton that defined marriage as a union between a man and a woman. I didn't realize that was Bill Clinton. Well, at the time, it was a step up from what things were before. Because before, what? there was no Don't and Ask, Don't Tell. They proactively investigated people if to see if they were LGBTQ and then dishonorably discharged them. So that was an improvement. Not good news. Oh, sorry. We're, I was talking about um, that. Sorry. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the, that's the military thing. Sorry. Right. You're right. Sorry. But uh, similarly, it, it, it was like trying to keep it from getting worse. I, I know. You know what? Well, another time we should talk union, about this. Right. We should yeah, talk about we this should later. have. Actually, tomorrow sorry. we'll talk about the evolution of that and where we've been and where we're at. The legislation faces uh, an uncertain fate, of course, in the Senate, where at least 10 Republicans would need to join with Democrats to overcome the filibuster. But doesn't it seem like from the House, like, isn't that usually, doesn't it show where it would be head if the House has a lot of Republicans um, it makes joining it, in? It, it potentially makes it easier to pressure Senate yeah. Republicans. Got it. But, I, but it's not a sure thing by any means. All right. And finally, the first openly gay mayor of an Oklahoma town is resigning after allegedly being met with threats and harassment. Hmm. Adam Graham, who was elected as mayor in May, said he no longer feels secure in the position, saying, I've been followed home from meetings, threatened while walking my dog, harassed at Starbucks, and have had my tires slashed, he wrote in a resignation letter. Jeez. That is really unfortunate and sad. 
So we are sending him so much love, and I hope he finds a place to continue to do his work somewhere else where he's welcome. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Still not talking about military stuff for no reason like I did a minute ago. Um, uh, You know, this is a show that I absolutely love. RuPaul's Drag Race has, you may remember, a celebrity edition that they did a couple years ago, and I saw that at the time, and I was like, they're never going to do this again. Was not a great format. Did not work. But they are bringing it back with a whole new format that's way more like The Masked Singer, and uh, I gotta say, I'm really here for it. So uh, the the judges, RuPaul, Michelle Visage, Carson Kressley, Ross Matthews will return. Um, also, there will be mentors for the secret celebrities. Brooklyn Heights, Juju B, and my favorite Monet Exchange are like the seasoned mentors. Um, and then there will be all the other uh, guests that are, you know, yeah, drag race uh, royalty. But uh, this is going to be really exciting because they're going to infuse it with some fresh new energy and, of course, fresh new celebrities, and we don't know who they are yet. I love it. You just add secret and it becomes a whole new show. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, what else could there possibly be? I, I just, I'm just so excited, it, and it comes just around the corner August 12th, so it's just coming out in just a month on VH1. I'm thrilled. I hope you are, too. We should have a viewing party. Let's do it. Me and Shelby need to catch up. Do better. Didn't you, didn't, was it you that said you're recently catching up on it? Yeah, but I'm doing pretty good. I just finished a season in a week. I just finished season nine. Um, oh, I'm all up to, yes. I know, I'm all up to date with the most recent season of All Stars. So I'm guessing as soon as All Stars wraps up, that's when this comes out. And oh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm there. I have my Paramount Plus subscription just for RuPaul's wow. Drag Race. So. Wait until you get into uh, the uh, UK and Australia versions. I don't know Especially if I can do UK. It. There are three UK seasons, okay. and they're incredible. So much. Okay. It's like a never-ending story here. I love it. Okay. <laughs> the next up, uh, the latest news in the sprawling legal drama and investigations into Trump's election schemes and more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we're going to talk about my favorite subject and yours, Donald Trump. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but actually, I do kind of love this subject in a way because it sh- feels like schadenfreude. It's uh, the sprawling investigations into Trump and his cronies and their, um, you know, their attempts to subvert the uh, um, Amer- the will of the American yes. people. Is this something new? Yes, I it's new. I hope you have some new details. Yeah, I know. Something. Yeah, it's, I do have new details. And so the thing that I'm, I'm most excited about is Steve Bannon, you may remember, helped run Donald Trump's campaign, yeah. was his chief strategist for the first seven months in the White House, um, was pardoned by Trump after he was charged with uh, money laundering and mail fraud um, counts over his fraudulent fundraiser to help build the wall. They took millions of that money and used it for their own stuff. By the way, and and I love that, and I only say this, it's not a sweeping judgment or assumption, but like I did talk to someone who has in the past been a Trumper, and they're like, just Trump really revealed the corruption of the government, and you're like, like please. Um, oh, so you're saying that everything was perfect under him or right, his come team? On. Like, come on. Case in point. Case in point, yeah. Trump pardoned him on the la- on his last day, uh, right before he was going to go to trial, but this time he really has gone to trial. Jury selection happened, and they just did um, opening statements just a little bit ago. So um, his, jur- his trial, I something that really sticks out to me is I heard someone say who was in the courtroom that a lot of the people, the prospective jurors, didn't even know who he was or much at all about January 6th, which... To me, it seems obvious. Like, everybody should know who he is, right? Well, here's the thing. Maybe is that being said, or was that done so that they were unbiased? Yeah, But maybe. then at the same time, it's like, how many people out there across America are unaware? And we, are we just in a bubble? Which is possibly why Americans keep making 
the wrong move over and over yeah. again yes. as it relates to politics in the election. Absolutely, I think that's the case. Yeah, I do think that's the case. And and you know, a lot of these people who didn't know who he was and about much about January sixth were younger people who were prospective Wait, jurors. What? Yeah, so younger people who didn't know much about what was going on. Um, but the final uh, the final jury includes this is frightening. I know, right? The final jurors include nine men and five women. They include a State Department employee. Uh, an art salesman, a NASA contractor, an architect. No. Yeah. I mean, these are obviously smart people. Smart people, and, yeah. But not informed. Yeah, well, the, they ended up... I mean... They ended up... Um, Dismissing most of those people who, well, they just dismissed a lot of people, and they ended up with these folks who are somewhere between um, uh, so, somewhat to a lot aware, but the you know attorneys for both sides thought they would be impartial, I guess. So you know, and now at this point, he's facing uh, two charges for contempt of Congress, and he faces um, up to a year in prison for each count. And they have already the judge disallowed almost every defense he was going to make because it wasn't really germane. So he has almost no defense and he's going <laughs> to trial is... now and he's probably going to go to jail, go to prison. Uh, well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, years overdue, but you know, that domino falls. And here's the other thing. So the other thing that happened is, you know, in Georgia, there's an investigation at the state level into, um, into the fake elector scheme yeah. in Georgia. So News broke that 11 people have now been notified that they're targets of the investigation. Before, we thought it was like two or three. Now it's almost every single one of the fake Republican electors from Georgia are targets of the investigation and are being for, are, and they're trying to fight being forced to testify in front of a grand jury. And these are people that were acting like they were in the right and everyone yes. else was in the wrong? Well, now they're saying, oh, we didn't know. We were just, you know, just in case. Going with the fl- yes. going with it because yeah. they believed it that much? Yes, but but they signed fraudulent documents. They were, and, and they may have been even more, one of these people was the chair of the Republican what Party documents did they in sign? Florida. The, they signed, so when you are electors from yeah. a state, you sign a document with your other electors that's saying we're the electors. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There was that valid one from Georgia that were the Democratic electors for Joe Biden. And then there was the invalid fake one that the Republicans made to look legit. They, they made it as a carbon copy as if it were on state letterhead and stuff. Completely but, illegal. Completely illegal. Yes. And one of these people is the, the head of the state Republican Party. So, I mean, he was involved. He, he, he's too high up to be ignorant. So... Long story short, were they being hypnotized or something? I mean, you know, you you like, have to wonder, you know, right? Like, did it black out? Like, what is going on? Seriously, I think that because people kept Trump got away for th- with things for years, Steve Bannon got away with things for years, um, and these people, I think they thought they were above the law, and I also think they thought this is going to work, and then if we're in trouble for it later, he'll pardon us. Ugh. It's just like completely messed up. And the the thing is, will it make a difference? I mean, I think it's not going to make that much of a difference to Trump supporters. It will make a, it will be meaningful to people who already don't like Trump. And then there are those people in the middle who are the right, you know, moderates who maybe a few of them will be moved. What about those in Georgia, since that's such an important state moving forward? Well, that's a really good question. You know, since the 2020 election, the Republicans who run the state have changed election laws to make it harder for Democrats yeah. to win effect- uh, effectively. Um, but at least we have a legal precedent now where people are being prosecuted for these fake elector schemes. So it chips away a little bit at people being ignorant and doing stupid things and thinking they can get away with it. That is the hope. That's the hope. But, you know, people people will try. And so, you know, who knows? In 2024, 
it could be a whole new mess of you know illegality, and then other people get prosecuted. So this is a very juicy day in politics. Absolutely, politics. it is. It's in the it's a the slow mo train wreck of what used to be a valid legitimate Republican Party into obscurity as crazy people who break the law to get you, elected. But you say that, but then yet it just feels like. And I talk to people. You know, I'm friends. Obviously, I'm very progressive, but there are still people that you're like rationalizing oh, yeah. the Republican Party. Yeah, and well, it's like, do you see what's happening? Mm-hmm. Like, not like the Democrats are are doing the best, right? Yeah, nobody's perfect. But the amount of like real obvious criminality that's happening, yeah, is. Well, ridiculous and embarrassing. One of the big strategies that Trump has deployed, which is kind of a Steve Bannon tactic, actually, is create just enough confusion in the Mm. populace so that they don't know if they can trust the things they hear that are really bad. Totally. That's so. And that's a Steve Bannon original right there. Well, that's also it's a manipulation. Absolutely. These are narcissist manipulators who are leaning all in on doing that to the American people. And now some of them are going to trial. All right. Well, thank you for that update and for making it interesting, as always. Oh, gosh, I hope. My pleasure. Uh, I still have so many questions. Uh, I will continue to be confused, which is, I guess, what they want. Okay, coming up, uh, (laughs) there's been some concern, of course, over period tracking apps. Now we're asking the question of how to protect your privacy when using mental health care apps after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it brought up, you know, the question of how secure these period apps are, right? And, you know, can... The government or could like a state like yeah, Texas states get access to your information leading to prosecution because right? they use that data to infer that you got an abortion. It, yeah, exactly. And so now it's bringing up a lot around, you know, the privacy of a lot of these apps, you know, not just the period apps, but also mental health apps. Of course, the two leading online therapy companies, BetterHelp and Talkspace, uh, they say that they have uh, or they they share information how they how they handle user data and their privacy practices. However, there have been investigations that have come out, including a 2020 investigation from Jezebel that said that BetterHelp info was being shared with Facebook, including listen to this metadata of messages between patients and therapists. Facebook could also see the duration, location, amount of time they spent helping people. I guess this was their monetization strategy. Uh, and my hope is after that 2020 investigation, they did something about it. I that. mean, they would have to have, right? Um, I mean, assuming maybe isn't the right idea here, but... Yeah, they've since said they're you know committed to privacy and security. This comes from an article, an interview with NPR. Uh, so this is the these are the tips that NPR has given in terms of how to protect yourself okay. when it comes to these therapy services. Uh, I want to get into that. I do want to know... Are you on these apps? Are you a fan of them? Um, I am a fan of them because I feel like um, they have helped people I know get support. Um, I actually uh, gifted my friend. uh, My friend was too stressed out and too busy to go find a therapist. She hadn't, you know, had the ability to pay for one. She just, you know. So I was like, if I just give you a month of better help, will you use it? And she's like, yes, I will use it. And so that got her on the therapy train. Yeah. But so for reasons like that, I love it. But, you know, if privacy is a concern, then you should really be thinking about that. Not that you shouldn't use it. You shouldn't use it as a barrier to getting help. 
but be mindful. Definitely. And, you know, Talkspace, the other one, they are complying with uh, senators like Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker and Rod Wyden, who asked these companies, including BetterHelp, to provide information about how they handle user data and their privacy practices. So the government is stepping up also. Oddly enough, there's a lack of trust in the government. but They're also creating the policies and regulations (laughs) that would help it so that that doesn't happen. Anyway, in the end, experts are saying, it's really a matter of, and this sucks to hear, it's like really you taking accountability and figuring mm-hmm. out yourself. I kind of wish, as someone who does t- like to look at how tech influences our lives and culture, like how can we create solutions for people who might not understand how to do all this stuff? Yeah. Because it does get complicated. Like, wouldn't Absolutely. it be cool to have a one-stop shop app that kind of goes through each of your apps and says, like, here's the things you need to turn on and off? Yes. Right? That'd be great. Does it for you? Yeah, right? yeah. You know, Apple developers. I'll throw this into my list of many ideas. I That's have a great idea. But it's a great idea. Here's, um, here's what you need to do if you are somewhere with a pen and paper, or your laptop, or your phone with not driving. And you can take down these notes. Or, <laughs> or if you're in your Tesla that's yeah. driving you. Or listen back on our podcast, Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan, where podcasts are available. So here are the few things you can do right now to make sure that your data is being kept private, including with these online therapy services. Um, go through your phone settings, it says, right? So um, enable all the options that allow you to limit how apps track you. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, and, and opt out of personalized ads and cross-app tracking, Yes. So I guess these things pop up, like do opt in, opt out. The issue with this for me is I always by mistake press the wrong, like the wrong button when I'm going really quickly. You're supposed to be able to go in and change it, but of course they don't necessarily always make that obvious. Well, that's why I go to the phone settings and privacy and all mm-hmm. that, and like kind of you could restart those things. Yeah. There's two kinds of two sets. There's the privacy settings in your privacy section of your app, and then yeah. there's also each app has privacy things it prompts you for as well. God. I'm even confused. Disable <laughs> your mobile advertising ID. Go to settings, privacy tracking, switch the slider off, and where it says allow apps to request to track. Um, read an app's privacy nutrition label carefully. I mean, who does that? <laughs> right? Yeah. I honestly feel like I'm pretty informed on this stuff, and I've never heard that phrase before. That's the, the, and the, This is the issue. Like, we can't expect people that you know to do this including what if what about people that have disabilities right Mm -hmm. hello there's an accessibility problem come on well you know a a nutrition label now that we're talking about i've just looked it up so it's in the app store so you can when you look at the app in the android store or the apple store or apple's app store you know the the nutrition label you scroll down you can see some stuff about their privacy policies but it doesn't always tell the whole story so i think the long and short of it is be aware (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and do the best you can with what you know right now. My thing is don't let the, these types of conversations or conversations about privacy on apps or online stop you from getting help. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing. Absolutely. Because uh, your health is is more important than like anything. Yes. And, um, you know, don't don't wait or let that deter you from reaching out and getting support. Absolutely. Uh, next up, why a shocking amount of people... Watch porn at work. What? Maybe it has to do with mental health. I don't know. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So did you know that a shocking number of people have admitted to watching porn in the office? What? 60% according to a sugar cookie survey. This blows my mind. Um, So why they're into this isn't what you think. Okay. (laughs) 
I mean, sure, Jan. Yeah, right. Like, uh, Craig Jackson, a profe- uh, professor of occupational health psychology at Birmingham City University in the UK, told the BBC recently, I think we have this view that if someone's accessing porn at work, they're somehow secretly masturbating at the desk or they're disappearing off to the toilets to masturbate. It's more of a distraction. Okay. And he noted stress relief or a coping me- mechanism while working. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. They get it. say um, a lot of times porn becomes a way of coping with how mundane and unpleasant the reality of their work is, and for some, it's not a way to solve their boredom. It's a reward. Another what? psychologist said this. I mean, you're just talking about why people use this type of thing to numb themselves from actually dealing and coping. Yeah, right? that's kind of what I, I, I mean, hear. Typically, when I it's that. like saying yeah. like, why do people go outside and smoke a cigarette? Why do people go and maybe drink? Right. Yeah. Why do people? I don't know. I bite my nails. Like I think there are different coping mechanisms depending yeah. on who you are and your backgrounds. Yeah. But still, I just—it's hard for me to imagine that. Like, first of all, I can't understand. I don't understand why someone would watch porn in a context that doesn't include some kind of well self-care. If you know what I mean. Like, I don't understand self-care. Yeah, people are self-sabotaging. No, people don't think about it. It's like. It's it it has another brain, I think. When you well, I do. I have that. heard that before. Um, <laughs> I actually think there also could be kinky to be like, this is bad. I shouldn't be doing this, and then you're turned on by the fact that you know you shouldn't be doing it in that. But setting. do you stay turned on without doing anything about the being turned on? At well, work? that's the thing is that's why people start looking at porn. Like, but yeah, people I think could be turned on and not like get off. I guess. Like that's kind of the, that's the thing. That's it's hard a, for me to imagine. It's but, a kink. All right. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I guess I you know, people know who, you know yeah. you can't look at it. It becomes this like naughty thing, like a forbidden. Fruit. And so then you're like, ooh, maybe what? if I just like open up my tab without people looking. I feel like this day and age, though, with uh, the Me Too movement and everything, I feel like it becomes like it's. I, I would be more worried that you'd get caught. Yes. People would find out you do about do it, and then you you lose your job. I, I don't even. I don't even go on potentially pornographic sites on my work laptop at home because I'm afraid that they're watching. Like I know technologically they probably can't, but I'm I'm afraid oh, you they have will. Have a work laptop. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I just I just I'm like I have a personal laptop for that, you know, and other things. Presumably. How many other things you have? Like iPad, phone. You know, I mean, like multiple look. devices. <laughs> my, I'm wall to wall screens in my bedroom. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I still have a mirror on the ceiling, though. You have a mirror. No, on I'm your kidding. Ceiling? That was a joke. No. Okay. <laughs> so, what are, your, what are your thoughts, uh, producer Shelby? Have you looked at anything inappropriate at work? <laughs> By the no. way, this is a safe space. Yes. Um, <laughs> we did just all have to do a, a mandatory HR training a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, did you, have you done in the past? Not here. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I was going to comment on two things. One, the fact that it seems like it's less of a, a numbing thing, quote unquote, and more of like a like a upper. Like I'm bored at work. Seeing something frisky will spark something in my oh. brain and maybe give me some more energy. energy. Yeah. Excitement. Huh. Yeah. Uh, zest for life. Yes. Jeez. Um, okay. And then in this article, it says that uh, Pornhub released a, a survey statement thing um, that says the highest viewing um, came in around 4 p.m. So that's I feel like huh. that's like you know end what? of the work day. It, well, you st- yeah, because I guess most people or end like at five. kids right before their parents get home. Here's um, the thing. That's true. I believe that because my time 
that I get the most, you know, is uh-huh. four. Are you serious? I'm in afternoon. It sucks because it's the worst timing. And maybe I like subconsciously what? know that. So maybe it's like my, my I just mechanism can't of, with you. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a morning person and then I get too tired at night. Midday I, is like the best for me. Wow. Which sucks because I'm usually at work. That's why the weekends become the only time. I'm scooting away from you when four o'clock comes around. <laughs> we don't have time for a quick story. I'm do sorry we? if I made everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> Can I take a, tell a really quick story? Do you have time? Okay, look. So porn at work once. I worked at a PR firm, and we were pitching um, to uh, the Kardashians to represent them. Okay. And so the people in my office wanted to watch her sex tape. So they oh pulled it up on a work computer, and it got a virus on every single Good. computer in deserve. the office. That's what those people deserve for looking that up. All right. <laughs> Let us know if you have any thoughts on this conversation. Seriously. At LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Well, coming up next, what this drag queen is doing to support their local queer community after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Or in base, Yes Queen. Yes. You know, we are always searching the interwebs to see who in the community is doing amazing, inspiring things. If you know anyone, we always would love to hear from you. You could just slide into our DMs at LGT Show so we could feature them on our Yes Queen of the Day. But today, we are giving the flowers to Juanita Moore, who is a drag queen extraordinaire, DJ, activist who has made a name for herself in San Francisco over the last three decades and last year she was crowned Empress of the Imperial Court of San Francisco. You go girl. Yeah, it's a nonprofit organization that raises money for charitable organizations through entertainment and educational events. I love that. Yes. Um, uh, They said, Juanita said, at the beginning of my drag career, I quickly realized there was still so much work for me to do within the community than just run around looking pretty. (laughs) Which, I mean, is a a thing, though. If you can turn a look, you know. Exactly. But listen to this. It's not just like a little bit of money that she's raised over the last 30 years. Yeah. More has raised more than $1 million for local charities. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Including GBLT, Historical Society and Archives. Our Trans Youth, Q Foundation, Queer Life Space, and Transgender Law Center. That's fantastic. Amazing. Yes. That definitely deserves a Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. So check out Juanita Moore if you haven't already. That's with an exclamation point. Juanita Moore. Moore. Yeah, the last name is all in caps. Exactly. San San Francisco legend. Love it. And that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Ryan Basham is, of course, back, filling in for Ryan Mitchell, who is out, but we'll be back soon, let me tell you. Yes. And what's coming up on tomorrow's show, producer Shelby? I feel like we should talk about this new uh, bill a little bit more. The Gay Marriage Act. Yeah. Yes. The, right? the, yeah, the, the Respect, Respect for Marriage, marriage Act. Act. Yeah. But it's for all the gays. They, all I the gotta gays. say, they, they, I, you know, sometimes those bill names, not the best branding choices. Agreed. Yeah, we'll just make the names just feel right for us, I guess. Yes. But yeah, more on that, of course, it's implications for all of us. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. We abridge the show. We cut out a lot of the meat. We give you the good meat. You cut out the fat. Fat, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lean. It's, it's probably athletic build. <laughs> Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search "Let's Go There" with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light, and stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about dealing with relationship changes and transitions after this. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 